parenting, it's the hardest job we'll ever do. Most of us are tired, stressed, and counting the minutes until bedtime. But what if raising kids could feel just a little lighter? I'm Dr. Hillary, a licensed psychologist and mama of three, and you're listening to the Raised Resilient Podcast, where each week we tackle tough parenting topics, and I help decode behavior and empower you with tools and strategies so that even the hardest moments make more sense. Because parenting is hard, no matter how you do it. But I can help you go from barely surviving to parenting in a way that feels good for you and your child. So warm up your coffee and grab your earbuds. It's time to raise resilient kids. Hey friends, welcome back to Raised Resilient. I'm your host, Dr. Hillary, and I'm so glad you're here. Today's topic is one that I don't think we talk about nearly enough. And I want to talk about this and normalize it for you because I think this is something that when we experience this, we have a tremendous amount of guilt and we can start to feel like something must be wrong with us. And so today I want to talk about something known colloquially as mom rage, but really this is parenting rage. This can be experienced by any parent, whether you identify as a mom or not. But I think colloquially, we talk about this as mom rage, quote unquote, because I think for women in particular, we have been socialized not to express anger. We've been socialized to make the people around us feel comfortable. And anger isn't something that makes other people feel comfortable. And so for most of us, we learn to really suppress our anger. And when that comes out with our kids or with our partners, we often feel like there's something inherently wrong with us. And we also feel because we don't talk about this enough, we also tend to feel like we're the only ones who've ever experienced this. So what is mom rage or parent rage? This is when we lose our cool and we kind of lose control of how we're showing up in that moment. We're not fully choosing our responses. It's more like they are flying out of us, much in the way that hits or kicks or unkind words fly out of our kids when they're dysregulated. It's a state of being dysregulated. Now, for most of us, we lose our cool from time to time. You are going to lose your cool with your kid. That's just parenting. There's no amount of books you can read or podcasts you can listen to or parenting courses you can take that are going to make you never lose your cool because you're human. But when I'm talking about mom rage or parent rage, I'm really talking about a state of being where we are losing it often, where we feel like maybe we are even constantly losing it. Like we are constantly showing up in this way that feels kind of like, We're riding our bike down a really steep hill without brakes. Like we are just going and we're not really in control of how we're showing up. So today I want to talk about four reasons why people experience mom rage or parent rage. And then I want to give you one action item for each of these reasons that something you can literally do today to help get yourself out of this place where you feel like you are constantly reacting Before I do that, I just want to say, if you can identify as someone who's losing your cool frequently with your child or with your spouse or with both right now, you're hearing this and you're going, oh my gosh, that's me. If that's you, here is my message to you. If you're losing your cool with your kid, even constantly, even all the time in a way that feels like it's out of control, you are still a good parent. You are not doing any irreparable harm, especially if you are leaning into repair. And if you need a deep dive on repair, one of the early, early episodes, I think it's episode four, is all about repair. So go back and listen to that. That's a great episode. It will take you step by step through the process that I use to repair with my kids when I mess up. 
I also want you to hear that you are not alone. I wish we talked more often about parent rage because I think you would find that you are so not the only person who has experienced this. And I also want you to know that it is not your fault. The four reasons that I am going to outline for you today, why this typically happens, none of them are that you're not a good enough parent or you're not a good enough person or you're not working or trying hard enough. And then the last thing I will say is that it is absolutely possible to shift out of this place. Depending on which of the reasons I share today that you identify with most, your path out of this place might look different from the person next to you. But I need you to hear that you don't have to stay in this place where you feel like you are constantly losing it with your child. You can shift things. And I know that when you shift things, you are going to feel better parenting is going to feel better for you. So today's podcast is dedicated to, first of all, talking about this topic that I think for a lot of us still feels unspeakable, normalizing it. Because if you haven't been there yet, you will. And if you are there, you are so not alone. And then also giving you some insight around why this happens and what your path forward can look like. Okay. So the first reason why we might experience mom rage or parent rage is that we're seeing things through an inaccurate lens. We're not seeing parenting with the perspective that we need to see it through to help us really feel good about how we're showing up even in the hard moments. What do I mean? Okay, let's use the example of your toddler having a tantrum or even a meltdown. We finally acclimate to babyhood. We have this little almost toddler who's crawling around and playful and smiling at us and hopefully sleeping a little bit better. And then something shifts. And all of a sudden you have a toddler who is throwing herself on the floor because she's not getting something that she really wanted. And I'm speaking right now about my 19 month old. This is happening all the time, all the time. And here's the thing. When it happened with my first child, I was completely overwhelmed. I felt like I was doing something wrong because I couldn't keep him happy. I felt like his behavior, i.e. throwing himself on the floor, was somehow a reflection of my parenting. We were all brought up to believe that good kids don't throw themselves on the floor in a fit. And so when your child does that and you have the perspective that you got from being parented, if you have the lens where you see this as bad behavior and bad parenting that you can't get it to stop, you're going to be frustrated. It's almost inevitable that you're going to lose your cool because you believe that it is your job to control your child's behavior, but that is impossible. So here you are trying to do this impossible task of keeping your child from ever throwing themselves on the floor in frustration And when that doesn't work, because it won't work, because again, it's impossible, you feel like you're failing. And in those moments, rage is such a common response. Rage is a common response to feeling out of control, to feeling like we are being asked to do the impossible. So of course you lose your cool. But when we have the perspective to know that toddlers melt down. Toddlers have tantrums. Older kids have tantrums and meltdowns, and that is normal and healthy and expected and okay. When we have that perspective, 
the whole game changes. Why don't I freak out when my toddler throws herself on the floor in a tantrum? Because I know that it's normal. Because I know that it's not my job to stop her from feeling those feelings. And when she does that, I go to her and I say something along the lines of, you really wanted that. You really wanted it to be different. You really wanted to be able to go with your brothers. I hear that. And then she moves on. She feels seen and heard and she moves on. But with my first child, I didn't have that perspective. And I got bogged down in feeling like somehow I was not doing my job as a parent. Either there was something wrong with him or there was something wrong with me. If you are stuck in that place right now, I have an amazing free resource for you. It's called Six Mindset Shifts to Ditch the Overwhelm and Parent in a Way that Feels Good. Go grab this guide today. If you can resonate with any of the things that I just said, if you feel like it's your fault, your job to control your child's behavior, that maybe there's something wrong with your child because of these behaviors, and you are constantly feeling frustrated with yourself or your child or both, you need this guide. RaisedResilient.com forward slash mindset. It's totally free and it outlines the six mindset shifts I had to make to get to that place where when my 19 month old throws herself on the floor in a tantrum, I just kind of go, oh, okay, grist for the mill. Totally normal. I can go over. I can validate her. I'm going to keep her safe, but that's all I have to do. And I really get that. And I, it doesn't, doesn't fluster me. It doesn't stress me out, but it really used to. So I've made these changes myself. I know you can make them too. So that's your action item. If you are feeling bogged down by not seeing things in a way that is the most generous possible interpretation of your own behavior and of your child's behavior, go grab this guide and really commit to shifting your perspective. You can also go back and listen to the episode I did on parenting triggers and understanding why we get triggered. That's a really helpful episode because it will allow you to understand a little bit more about what's going on for you when you respond to normal behaviors from your child with rage. Why are these behaviors feeling so unsafe in your body? So that episode is a deep dive into the process of getting triggered as a parent and what we can do to sort of start to shift that. Okay, the second reason why you might show up with frequent losing it, frequent rage as a parent, is that your needs are not getting met. How often do you find yourself just eating the leftovers from your child's lunch plate? or forgoing exercise because your kid doesn't want to ride in the stroller and it's just too frustrating to make that happen, or you just don't have the time, or you are constantly with your child or at work and you never have a second to yourself, or your child goes to bed so late that you don't have any you time. Does any of that sound familiar? There are so many other examples I could give you, but The ones I just shared are super common. So often in parenting, we give and we give and we give and we show up for our kids and we show up for our kids and we take them to activities and we get dinner on the table and we work long hours to pay for this whole family thing and there is nothing left over for ourselves. And here's the thing, anyone 
who's not getting their needs met over time, who's not sleeping, who's not focusing on solid nutrition. And I'm not talking about every day. You can have a bad night of sleep. You can have a day where you eat nothing of nutritional value. But if you are constantly forgoing your sleep because of your child, if you are constantly not really eating meals because you don't have the time because you are constantly running around after your child, if you are working such long hours that you don't have any time for yourself between that and parenting, of course you're going to burn out. And burnout leads to rage. That's a common Typical and expected response when your needs are over and over and over not getting met. And so this has to shift. You absolutely have to put your own oxygen mask on first. There's a reason they tell you to do that when you fly on an airplane. If you don't put your own mask on first, you cannot show up for your child. Full stop. And because you know that I love analogies, Another analogy I like to use to help parents understand why self-care is necessary and not just a nice-to-have in parenting is that you cannot pour from an empty cup. You literally cannot give what you don't have to give. And so something needs to shift so that your needs are getting met more consistently. Not perfectly, not all the time, but consistently enough to keep enough water in your cup so that you can overflow to give to your child, to give to your spouse, to give to work. You can't give what you don't have. And so many of us are trying to do that. No wonder we're frustrated and ragey. Hey friend, if you're anything like I was as I got started on my journey to parent differently, you might be listening to this podcast and thinking, this is great, but I could really use a little more support. Maybe you need help with your child's meltdowns. Maybe you're struggling with aggressive behaviors. Maybe there's this one situation in parenting that keeps coming up and is throwing you off. Maybe you're struggling to stay calm and show up the way you want to. Whatever your struggle, I've got you covered. I am so excited to announce that I have opened up a few spots each week for one-on-one virtual parent coaching. This is your opportunity to work directly with me completely online to figure out whatever parenting challenge you are struggling with right now. You can go to raiseresilient.com forward slash coaching and book your session literally today completely online. It really couldn't be easier to get the support you need. So go book your session today. I am so excited to work with you. So if this is you, If you are listening to this and thinking, oh my goodness, yes, like my needs are pretty much never met and I'm trying to take care of everyone else all the time before I take care of myself. If you resonate with that, here's your action item. Find one place. It can be more than one, but start with one where you can set a boundary around your time so that you get your needs met. Here are some examples of how that might look. These are things that I've done in my own life with my own children. These are things I've done so that I can get my own needs met well enough that I can really show up as the mom I want to be. The first example I'll share is that you can absolutely set boundaries around your child riding in the stroller so that you can get exercise, so that you can take a walk or a run. Most kids are going to reach a point where they don't enjoy riding in the stroller anymore and they might protest. And that's okay. It's okay for your child to not like all of the choices you make. 
It's okay for your child to protest riding in the stroller. And it's also okay for you to say, I really get that. You really don't feel like riding in the stroller right now. You need to ride in the stroller until I'm done with my walk. And then we're going to go to the playground or, and then you can get out and walk with me. I used to have to set this boundary every day. My oldest stopped liking the stroller around age two. And after that, it was a fight to get him to go into the stroller. And I've seen other parents feel like they just have to stop using the stroller at that point in time because their child just doesn't like it. When that happens, it can feel like there is no space for you to take care of yourself. And so I would say, go ahead and set that boundary. It is 100% okay for you to say, no, this is how we need to do things for this little bit of time so I can take care of myself so that I can show up as the mom that you deserve. I literally say that to my kids. I literally use that language. Now, your two-year-old's not necessarily going to understand that, but it's still okay for you to say that, and it is 100% okay for you to set that boundary so that you can get your needs met. I remember during the pandemic, like a lot of us, I suddenly had two kids home with me and no childcare and a business to run, and I was struggling, and I knew that my daily walks were something that I needed to be able to get through that challenging season. And so I would take my two older kids with me to the park and I would say, okay, you can scooter or you can walk, but we are going to do four laps around this track and then we'll go to the playground. And it wasn't always easy and some days were harder than others, but for the most part, eventually this became routine and win-win because they got exercise and I got exercise and everyone was a little better able to regulate their emotions as a result. Another place you might set a boundary to preserve your own ability to take care of yourself is around eating. I cannot tell you how many times I finally sit down to eat my breakfast and of course my kids are ready for breakfast number two or a snack or this or that. They need something inevitably the second I sit down. And I used to feel a lot of guilt around this and I would feel like I needed to get up and get them whatever they needed and then sit back down. Now I tell them, I just sat down to eat. I'm happy to get you a snack as soon as I'm done. And that's the boundary. I am not willing to get up in the middle of my meal. So that's something I have started doing to make sure that I get a few minutes to actually sit down and eat. You might also at dinner time say, I hear you asking me to refill your water cup and I will do that as soon as I'm done with my first helping of dinner. Or I hear you asking for a second helping and I will grab you one as soon as I'm done. So you can set boundaries around that and you should. You can also set boundaries around alone time. I know you really want me to play with you right now, and I need to sit here on the couch and read a book. You're welcome to grab a book and come sit next to me, or you can go play by yourself. Set those boundaries and feel zero guilt. This not only allows you to show up as the parent you want to be and the parent your child deserves, which is a parent who's well-rested and taken care of, but it also models for your child that self-care is important and that it is okay and necessary to set some boundaries around your own time and your space that you've created in your life to take care of yourself. You might need to leave your child at daycare for a half hour longer so that you can hit the gym. You might need to set a boundary with work so that you can get home earlier. But whatever would help you get your needs met more consistently, do that. So that's your action item. If you relate to 
feeling ragey, losing your cool constantly because you're not getting your needs met, pick one place today where you can set a boundary around your time or create some space for you to get your needs met. Okay, the third reason why you might be constantly losing your cool and struggling with parent rage is that you might be dealing with an untreated perinatal mood or anxiety disorder. Perinatal mood or anxiety disorders are difficulties with mood or difficulties with anxiety that come up during the perinatal period, which is any time from when somebody gets pregnant to a year past when the baby is born. And here's the thing. I think this is something we don't really understand about perinatal mood and anxiety disorders as a society. They are so, so, so common. One in five birthing people ends up dealing with a perinatal mood or anxiety disorder and one in 10 partners. So if you're a dad listening to this and going, well, that's not me because I didn't give birth, please understand that perinatal mood and anxiety disorders can absolutely affect you too. If you adopted your child, perinatal mood and anxiety disorders can affect you. And that statistic, by the way, the one in five, that comes from data that was taken before the pandemic. Most of us who work in perinatal mental health think that that number might be a little bit higher now. So it is so common to struggle during the perinatal period. And if you don't get treatment, these issues persist. So you could be four, five, six years postpartum, and if you never got help, you might still be dealing with perinatal anxiety. Seriously. And bringing this back to parent rage, rage is such a common symptom of postpartum depression, of postpartum anxiety, and we don't talk about it nearly enough. What most of us think of as perinatal mood and anxiety disorders, we have this narrow idea of what that means. And that usually comes from the media, from TV, from movies we've watched, from books we've read. But here's the thing. These issues do not present in the same way for everybody. And for some people, rage is their only symptom, irritability. So if you are irritable all the time and you don't really relate to some of these other reasons, although I would argue that for a lot of us, we're dealing with all four of these reasons and you haven't heard the fourth one yet, but I know for me, all of these applied to me when I was a first time parent. But for so many of us, we are struggling with a perinatal mood or anxiety disorder and we don't know it. I know that for me, when I had my second child, I had postpartum anxiety and I had no idea. And I'm a psychologist. Now, to be fair, at that point in time, I didn't yet specialize in perinatal mental health, but how many of us have no idea that we're struggling or we think, oh, well, I'm not really struggling enough to get help. So if you're listening to this and you feel like you might be struggling with a perinatal mood or anxiety disorder, here's your action item. Reach out to a therapist trained in perinatal mental health and get the help you need. While it's common to struggle with perinatal mood and anxiety disorders, it's not normal, meaning that you don't have to just suffer. You don't just have to put up with it. You can actually get help and you can actually feel more like yourself again. So Postpartum Support International has a directory where you can literally put in where you live, put in your insurance information, and find a provider trained in perinatal mental health near you. I'm going to link that directory in the show notes. So Perinatal mood and anxiety disorders left untreated are another major reason why we might be losing it constantly. And the fourth reason why you might be dealing with parent rage or losing it constantly is that you might be dealing with an underlying hormone imbalance. 
Now, my disclaimer here is that I'm not a medical professional and this is not medical advice, but I will tell you what I see over and over and over in my therapy practice is that I'll have someone come in dealing with postpartum depression or maybe grieving a pregnancy loss. And that is enough on its own to cause all kinds of symptoms that are uncomfortable. But a lot of my clients also, on top of that, figure out that they have Hashimoto's, which is autoimmune hypothyroidism. It is super common, and especially after a pregnancy. Or they'll find out that they have imbalanced female hormones or insulin resistance, cortisol issues. These are all things that can impact how we show up, the ability we have to regulate our emotions in tough moments. I myself figured out after a really tough parenting season that I think was exacerbated by 18 months of really poor sleep after I had my first child, but I figured out that I had Hashimoto's. I had no idea that I had Hashimoto's and it's now in remission after working for years with a functional medicine provider who could really help me get to not just what's going on, but also how can we prevent this from getting worse? How can we find the root cause? How can we really focus not only on the presenting problem, but on balancing hormones in general. And I feel now like a different person. I am a different mom. I am a different partner. I can show up the way I want to because I got the help I needed. So I always recommend it's great to just rule out these issues. Find a provider who specializes in functional medicine or naturopathic medicine because typically these providers are not just looking at the presenting problem, but also they're thinking holistically and they're looking at prevention and root causes, right? Not just symptoms. So if this is something that you're interested in learning more about for yourself, here's your action item. First of all, pay attention to your appetite, your energy levels. Are you having cravings? Are you struggling with sleep? Are you getting enough sleep? Are you getting tons of sleep and you don't feel rested? And if you feel like those things might be off for you, find a functional medicine provider near you and just go and have a meeting with that person. Get some labs run and see if maybe hormone imbalance is part of your picture. Another great resource, one of my favorite podcasts is the Dr. Brooke Show. Dr. Brooke Kalanick is a functional medicine provider and women's hormone specifically specialist. And her podcast has so much great information on how to balance hormones while living a busy life, while parenting, without having to do anything too comprehensive or difficult. So that's another great resource. I will link that in the show notes as well. So those are four reasons why you might be losing it constantly or dealing with mom rage or parent rage. Again, if this is you, You are so not alone. None of this is your fault and you can find a path forward to shift things to where things feel better. So I hope this was helpful. As always, email me with any questions, drhillary at raisedresilient.com. And until next time, we've got this. I so appreciate you listening and being here. It really means the world to me. And if you are enjoying this podcast, leave a review and share with someone who could use this message. I really and truly believe that this is how we change the world. We spread the word about raising resilient kids, about being cycle breakers. So share this podcast, leave a review, and let's spread the word about raising resilient kids. Until next time, we've got this.